Well, good morning, and grab your Bibles. Turn to the book of Acts. On this uh, Mother's Day, we're going to continue our journey through the book of Acts. And um, last week, we tackled what I told you I thought was one of the most important chapters in the entire book of Acts, and it was uh, the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 15. It was a gathering that dealt with conflict, conflict in the local church. And um, someone came up to me after church last week and said, you didn't cover the whole chapter. You only did the first 35 verses. You skipped the last six verses. And I didn't skip the last six verses. We're bringing those verses out today to try to get a picture of what played out following the Jerusalem Council and how that plays out in your world and in my world. And so if I were to try to give you a a big idea, a a big idea to jump ahead of, and if you're filling out on your outlines, this is not going to be up on the screen, but you may want to fill in the blanks. Here's the big idea this morning. Personal conflict can bring unimaginable pain, but kingdom partners, kingdom partnerships are blessings beyond words. Personal conflict can bring unimaginable pain, but kingdom partners and partnerships are blessings beyond words. So we're talking about some pain, and we're talking about blessing. And we don't think that those two things go hand in hand. And so let me give you some context. The context this morning is this. Jerusalem Council, Acts chapter 15. Paul and Barnabas have just gotten home from the first missionary journey. And they really took the gospel of Jesus all over the first century world. And baptisms are happening. Church plants are happening. Gospel momentum is winning. And then it happens. There's a group that rises up and they say, Paul and Barnabas are not doing it right. They're doing it wrong. See, Paul and Barnabas were going to Gentiles all over the first century world, and here was their message, Jesus saves. That was the message, Jesus saves. And baptisms are happening, and churches are are, are planting and growing, and momentum is happening. But this group of Jewish Christians, these were people that were followers of Jesus, but they had a deep, deep appreciation for the Old Testament law, the law of Moses. They rose up and they said, you know, Paul and Barnabas, you're doing it all wrong. Before a Gentile can become a Christ follower, they must first become Jewish. Gentile to Jewish to Jesus. And that might not seem like a big deal, But here's what it involved for all the men that were hearing this message. This medical procedure we call circumcision. And so if you want to squelch a preacher's momentum, tell him that before he can baptize someone, he has to first circumcise them. And that's what was playing out. And we can kind of chuckle about that maybe, kind of smirk a little bit about that, because we're on the other side of history, but this could have killed the momentum. This could have killed the missionary journeys. This could have destroyed the voice of Paul and Barnabas. So they have a big gathering, a church council in Jerusalem. And the Judaizers, they have their message, have to promote the law of Moses, have to promote circumcision. And then Peter has his message, and he says, I once was with them, but now I've seen the light. I've had this vision. That's not the case. Paul and Barnabas tell their stories. And then James, the half-brother of Jesus, he was a leader of the church at Jerusalem. He rules, and here's what his ruling is. His ruling is Paul and Barnabas are right, and the Judaizers are wrong. 
And so when they go out and they preach the good news, you don't have to go out and preach Jesus plus. You just preach Jesus. You just preach Jesus. Here's the really cool part of the story. You know what you don't find in the first 35 verses of Acts chapter 15? The Judaizers didn't get their way, so they quit. The Judaizers didn't get their way, so they caused conflict. The Judaizers didn't get their way, so they caused a stir. They went along with it. They encouraged. And so you would think in that context, everything's great, right? Not, not so fast. And so today's message, pain and blessings, we're only going to cover about 10 verses of Scripture. I'm not going to talk very long this morning, but I think these are important teachings for us in 2017 to grab a hold of. You need your Bible. We're not going to put the Scripture up on the screen. I want you to have a Bible. If you don't own a Bible, I want you to take the Pew Bible, and I'm going to try this joke. It didn't work last week. I'm going to try it out this week. The little label that says, do not remove from the sanctuary, cross that out and write your name on it. You're supposed to laugh. There you go. Somebody laughed. Fine. I did it both services last week. No one laughed. Really hurt. But anyway, seriously, take the Bible. We want you to have a Bible. I would love to have everybody Bible opened. If you're using a pew Bible, you find our story on page 1095. Let's read the word. Acts chapter 15, beginning with verse 36, the pain of personal conflict. Sometime later, following the Jerusalem council, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers in the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. That's a great idea. They want to go back to all these new churches and see how the work is going. Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. That seems like a good idea as well. Who was John Mark? Anybody know? He's the dude that wrote the gospel of Mark. He's a young son in the faith. Why wouldn't you take this young son of the faith with you? We're about to find out why. But Paul did not think it wise to take John Mark because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. First missionary journey, Acts chapter 13. John Mark is part of the team and he quits. We don't know why he quits. We don't know when he quits other than the place. We don't know if it was a couple weeks in or a couple months in, but we know he didn't complete the journey. And Barnabas is saying for journey number two, we need to take him. And Paul is saying not so fast. Verse 39, tragic verse in scripture. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. If you're an underliner, underline that verse. That's a verse we can't ever lose sight of because we can never, ever forget how really serious and devastating personal conflict is. Barnabas took Mark and he sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches the pain of personal conflict and the situation is this they are deeply divided over the ministry status of a young son of the faith by the name of john mark um, divided to the point they can't continue on together and so what's barnabas thinking well what's barnabas mean anybody know what the name barnabas means it means son of 
encouragement. So Barnabas is probably thinking something like this. Everyone deserves a second chance. And I like that because you know what? I've been given a second chance. And you've been given a second chance. And some of us, we've been given third chances and four. Aren't you glad our God is a God of second chances? And so are we with Barnabas on this? Is Barnabas right? Maybe, right? Yeah, we can get that. What about Paul? What's Paul thinking? I think Paul is thinking something along these lines. Fail me once, shame on you. Fail me twice, shame on me. And I get that as well. Because I've tasted the pain of repeated failures that I or we have had to clean up along the way. And so I kind of get where Paul could be coming from as well, saying that, love John Mark. Hopefully everything works out for John Mark. But maybe, just maybe, this missionary journey thing isn't for him. So here's the question, who is correct? If you think that Barnabas was right, I want you to raise your right hand. If Barnabas was right, that John Mark gets a second chance. If you think that Paul was right, I want you to raise your left hand. Okay? You know what the answer is? Both and neither. You say you sound like a politician. How can you have your cake and eat it too? How can it be both? Both were right because they were very grounded in their reason surrounding John Mark. You could use scripture to defend Barnabas' stance and to defend Paul's stance. But I'm going to say something that my Sunday school class, some of them disagreed with me this morning on. It's okay, because I may not be right on this. I think both were wrong because they allowed a personal conflict to get in the way of this incredible kingdom partnership. I mean, Batman and Robin are no more. They are the Batman and Robin of missionary journeys, and they split. So I think they're both wrong as well as both right. So what am I trying to tell you this morning? Here's what I want to tell you. I offer this with grace. Understand personal conflict's a big deal. So if personal conflict is a big deal for you, if it's invading your heart, if it's invading your soul, if it's invading your mind, don't settle for that. It's an in-your-face question. Is personal conflict here? Is personal conflict here? I want to remind you that if you are in conflict with a brother or sister in Christ, you're fighting the wrong enemy. Our enemy is not other brothers and sisters in Christ. Our enemy is the deceiver. Our enemy are people who are intentionally trying to harm the cause of Jesus Christ. And so if personal conflict's a big deal, just hear my heart. Don't settle for it. Don't settle for managed conflict or avoided conflict. Personal conflict broke up. Paul and Barnabas, an incredible missionary team. Let's go on to something happier. It's Mother's Day after all. Number two, the blessing of kingdom partners. The blessing of kingdom partners. Chapter 16, let me read the first five verses. Paul and Silas came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. 
Now, the brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take Timothy along the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they grew daily in numbers. And so the situation's really pretty simple. Paul's lost his best friend in ministry. Barnabas. I almost said Robin. Barnabas. (laughs) He's lost his best buddy. And he is in serious need. He is in dire need of both faith friendships and kingdom partners. And let me say it like this to you. You need faith friendships, and you need kingdom partners. You need them. Paul needed them, and God is going to answer his cry. And there's two blessings in in our text today, the end of chapter 15, the beginning of chapter 16, and the first blessing is a guy by the name of Silas. We don't know a whole lot about Silas, although this is what we do know about Silas. Put this next slide up on the screen. We know that Silas was a second missionary journey companion, and we know that he's mentioned in multiple other New Testament works. Now, your Bible might use the name Silvanus instead of Silas, but it's the same guy. And he steps in for Barnabas, and he is a great sidekick to Paul. He's a preacher of the apostolic doctrine. Now, he is Jewish by birth, but he's also a Roman citizen, as Paul was. And that is a great combination that allows him to have a hearing, to have an audience with literally every context that he is going to approach. And probably the coolest thing about Silas that I can say is he is willing and considers it joy that he can suffer alongside Paul in prison. If you read a little bit further into Acts chapter 16, you'll get to a passage of Scripture that we studied about a month ago. Paul and Silas are thrown in prison. And you remember what they were doing about midnight? They're, They're worshiping and they're singing praises to God. They're saying that the joy of the Lord is my strength even when I'm suffering. And so we need a Silas in our life. We need an encourager in our life. Second kingdom blessing is a guy by the name of Timothy. And that name will probably sound familiar to you because there are the books of First and Second Timothy, not written by Timothy, but written to Timothy. What do we know about Timothy? Well, we know that he's the product of a difficult family situation spiritually. Mom's a believer, dad is not. And he rises up, despite that, to be used in a great and mighty way for the Lord. And let me just throw this out as a caveat. Some of you are here today, and your significant other, your spouse is not with you. They're not where you're at spiritually. You don't like that. You're not excited about that. Maybe even discouraged to the point of just throwing in the towel. Don't quit. Don't ever give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop having conversations. You never know when God's going to melt a heart. You never know. I've heard just really cool stories recently of people that said like for three decades, he or she wanted nothing to do with the faith. And one day they woke up and they said, man, it's time for me to get right with God. It's time for me to come to faith in Jesus. So don't ever give up. Uh, Timothy is one of Paul's young sons of the faith. Now here's the thing that you might have missed that I find maybe ironic in this. What was he willing to do, or at least Paul made him do? Be circumcised, right? And you're probably thinking, I thought we just had the Jerusalem council. I thought they just decided you don't have to do it. You know what Paul would probably say to that is, we don't have to do it. But I'm going to have Timothy do it because I don't want any 
obstacle out there to preaching the gospel. Timothy is a companion of Paul on the missionary journeys. And if you were to try to define what are the greatest practical books in the New Testament for the local church, it would be the pastoral epistles, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. And it's because of this guy Timothy ministering in Ephesus that we see these rich blessings rise up, the books of 1 and 2 Timothy. So I've got another in-your-face question, no offense, but here's the in-your-face question number two, who are you doing faith with? See, Paul could have done it all by himself. He had the reputation, he had the smarts, he'd overcome the persecution. He could have said, Barnabas ditched me, I'm on my own. I'm going solo, I'm going silo. I don't need anyone else. He could have done it. And can I say that in a church this size, you could do the same thing? You could sneak in right before the service begins and sneak out right before it ends and never talk to a single person and feel like that's enough. Can I tell you, that is not enough. You need godly, Christ-filled relationships. You need kingdom partners. It was really cool for me yesterday. We, we had the mother-daughter banquet. A lot of you were there. 160 people participated. A bunch of guys got dressed up on a beautiful Saturday in May and served the women. Really, really cool day. But probably my favorite part of it wasn't even the mothers and the daughters, no offense. But it was the people that were so excited to be serving. People that said, I just, I love this opportunity to serve. And I know several people said to me, I never knew him. I never knew her. I'd never connected with them before. Serving the Lord together brings about connections. What about our food pantry drive yesterday? The post office did their big food drive. And a bunch of our women, and probably some of our men, gave up an entire Saturday serving the Lord so that we can serve our community in need. What about a study group? Um, You're invited to join my class. We meet every Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m., Fellowship Hall. And I would love to have you join us. We're wrapping up the book of Philippians. We're getting ready to crank into Romans. Um, There are many, many options on Sunday mornings to grow in the Lord together beyond 1045 service. And I would challenge you. One more that I want to highlight, Cody Monkman started a class called the Bridge Class. And um, you're invited to be in the Bridge Class. And what do you, it's Cody in here? I think I saw him somewhere. What are you guys studying right now? Uh, Apologetics. It's not boring at all. It's good stuff. So get connected. Don't do faith all by yourself. So I'm almost done. I've got some concluding comments that I want to leave you with, and then the band's going to come up, and we're going to sing a couple more worship songs and move into a time of communion. But but here's the first thing that I want to say, and some might want to push back against it because it's not what you've been practicing, but here's the deal. Personal conflict is a big deal. And it cannot be ignored, and it cannot be managed. Christ followers must commit to practice conflict resolution. And so if you are in conflict with somebody, brother and sister in Christ, don't settle for that. It's not acceptable. It shouldn't stand. It's heartbreaking to me when I figured out this week that there are probably people that 10 years ago at this church were best buddies in the Lord, like Paul and Barnabas, friends in the Lord, and today they don't speak. And that's not acceptable. And so if you find yourself there, make a commitment today, Mother's Day 2017, I will do what I can 
to resolve this conflict. Number two, also something that may step on your toes, and I don't apologize for. It's an enormous mistake to do ministry in a silo, to do faith in a silo, to do life in a silo, but many attempt to do it. And I would throw this out, Lindsay Moody, Melinda Heinlein, new staff members, one of the things that they are so passionate about is helping you get connected if you're not connected. Get connected. Don't do faith in a silo. Number three, this is good news, sometimes situations of conflict and pain can eventually have a better outcome. I know some success stories, and that's cool. That people that were really kind of doing the whole uh, at one another thing have restored that relationship and things are better. And then finally, number four, this is on the screen last week, it's on the screen this week. I personally have a part to play in the peace and the unity of this church. It's on me and it's on you. And so, can we ever agree to disagree in the Lord? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that there's always going to be um, points that, that, that we won't all agree on. But when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the Word, when it comes to what really matters most, we have to be a people that reflect the peace of God. We have to be united. Your enemy is not another brother or sister in Christ. Anybody remember how Samuel... And this week, Matthew ends every second service at FCC. What do they say? Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. That's not some little cool phrase that he found in a book somewhere and thought, I'm going to be trendy. That's the message of Christ. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. And I'd love to be able to come back a year from now five years from now, ten years from now, two months from now, and be able to take a Sunday morning and just have testimony after testimony after testimony of reconciliation, of peace and unity flowing, not just in this church, but through this church and from this church all over our community and all over central Illinois. Not, not for your glory, not for my glory, but for God's glory. So that people will say, you know, they are different, those Christians. They do practice what they preach. That, that's something I want to be a part of. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you for how you love us and how you bless us. And God, it's my prayer that um, we'll never settle for the pain of personal conflict. We'll never have, have a heart that says, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it's going to be. But we'll allow your son, Jesus Christ, to remind us what really matters most. God, I'm thankful for my kingdom partners. I'm think, thankful for my faith friendships. People that better me people that help me, people that encourage me. God, help us to be people that, that won't settle for the silo, but want more. God, thanks most of all 
for Jesus, your son, the hope that he brings us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a couple songs that lead us into our time of communion. And during this time, um, several um, invitations that I want to throw your direction. The first is that if you want someone to pray with you, anything, I'm up front. I'd love to pray with you. And um, sometimes people said I was going to come up, but there was a couple people waiting. Um, We have other staff and elders in here. And if there are like eight people up here, they're going to rise up and they're going to come and they're going to pray with you. So if you want prayer, now's a great time to come forward and get prayer. We also have our fireside ministry that we rolled out a couple weeks ago. And this week, Chris and Lindsay Moody, they're going to be in the fireside room beginning at 1135 until noon. And, And that's simply if you want prayer, spiritual encouragement. Chris is one of our elders. Lindsay's one of our staff members. Seek them out. They'd love to encourage you and pray with you. The most important invitation that I offer this week or any week is the invitation to say, I want Jesus as my Lord, my Savior today. And if that's where you're at, man, come on up. Don't wait another day. As we stand together and Matt and the crew leads us in our worship.